Welcome to Nice That Minute, I'm your host Darren, and today I am joined by Philip Matanas. Hello. Hi Darren. I said that wrong, didn't I? No, you did great. That's a nice fancy great. way to say it. I say it <laughs> I say it like a lazy middle American, which is Mata's, but I, I, I answered to say, Philip, that's great. I will say it again then. I will say Philip Mata's. Oh, that's excellent. Um, and we are covering today the first uh, minute for this week, which is minute 121. Uh, which goes from two hours to two hours and 59 seconds. And uh, we start with um, Marta. I will go as it's described in the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marta's face starts to do things, odd things, convulses, her jaw clenches, her cheeks bulge, and then, in all caps, projectile vomits into Ransom's face. That's uh, that, that is where the minute starts. And the minute finishes with Ransom and Marta falling to the ground just as a knife has been plunged into Marta, and we don't know what is about to happen next. Um, so uh, let's get into this minute. Yeah, Darren, um, Darren, is this the best or worst way to start a minute with projectile I, well, vomiting? I can't tell. <laughs> well, I mean, there is a... Uh, I mean, if anyone's ever listened to the podcast uh, Doug Loves Movies... He used to have a category which he called not for a metaphobes. And that is that is people who don't like talking about or seeing or anything to do with vomit, mm. um, which would be myself. I am. Not, I mean, I don't I don't want to boast, but I haven't I haven't thrown up in, I don't know, 20 years. I think it nice. is something like that. Yeah. So uh, I'm, and I'm also, uh, you know, if people make the kind of like heaving sound as the, as if they're about. Yeah, to throw yeah, up, yeah. I'm, not a fan of that. I don't think many people are, to be honest. I don't think anyone is actually a fan of it. I, I will um, say, um, so <laughs> quick, weird story about my life. Um, I don't know if I'm a fan of it for real, but it's one of the things that makes my wife laugh so hard. Like, look up Stephen, Col- <laughs> Stephen Colbert is a kind of pro at making that fake, like, barfing. Oh, noise. yeah, I know what like you're he, talking about. He, yeah. He's like, it yeah. goes a huh type thing. And he's <laughs> yeah. he's excellent at it, and it's one of the things that she like she can't get enough of it. It's really funny. I will <laughs> I will say though. So it's 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 funny you say that you know you're not a fan of this. So I didn't know what was going to be in the minute until you sent me the clips, and it's almost like a practical joke to open up the first minute, and the first thing you see is her barfing right <laughs> her face you're like oh oh okay that's right this happens but for a minute there you're like what yeah and i think i mean we can obviously get into like the i mean this minute is kind of like two halves you know it's yeah. marta throwing up and ransom realizing that she's just lied mm. um specifically about the fact that fran was alive it turns out fran is dead um, and then he's, you know, kind of halfway through the minute, he says, in for a penny, grabs a knife from the knife circle. From Chekhov's um, knife chair is what that is. Yeah, that's been there for the entire film, obviously. And he then kind of, they kind of go into slow motion mm-hmm. um, as he kind of stabs um, 
martyr and they kind of fall to the floor as it's happening and um, and it's not only slow motion but i feel like and i i'm not a super student of film here but i feel like there's almost a little bit of the vertigo effect you know uh like from thriller where when there's an angle of ransom with the knife up and he's coming yeah. he's kind of coming at an angle and it and like the background goes slightly backwards while he's going forward it kind of looks 3D just like a hint it's all of a sudden the movie has been playing it pretty straight forward i think in terms of yeah filming then all of a sudden it gets just like a little trippy for this you know and understandably why it's like this big big moment right but i i hadn't noticed it until we got uh until we were studying it for uh this show yeah um, but before we get into the the, the knifing, oh okay, yeah. Um, let's let's talk about this first half of the minute because I think it's it's quite interesting. I mean, uh, you know, the the vomiting has been something that's obviously been set up throughout the film, um, where you know Blank was kind of told about it earlier in the film, and then he tested it on Martha by trying to make her tell a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, he thought it was like kind of metaphorical or something, but turns out it's literal. Yeah. She will throw up if he try, she tries to tell a lie. Um, and so we, as a viewer, we kind of know um, that that she, you know, for the previous minutes to this leading up, obviously she's lied about um, Fran being alive. But obviously, as the viewer, we're kind of like, well, if she was lying, she'd have thrown up by now. But, you know, yep. obviously they kind of, they hold off. Um, and it's, it's interesting because obviously earlier in the film, there have been a few instances where Marta has lied, but she hasn't lied. She's kind of, you know, like just not answered a question. Right? Yeah, or she, something's been like an omission. Or, she, you know, she's basically kind of skirted around giving us a straight answer because she knows she would have to lie. Right. Um, so, I've, I've, you know, we, we've been led to kind of, as viewers, we've been led down the, the kind of path of if she even thinks about telling a lie, she's just going to instantly throw up. But then she took this phone call where she pretended to talk to the doctor and then obviously Blank went through this whole thing of saying, you know, um, you know, she's still alive and, mm-hmm. and kind of, so I guess in a way, Marta, Marta could have been talking to a doctor on the phone. So that could be true. Yeah. Uh, but obviously then blank is the one who's kind of telling the lie, you know, fully. Cause he, you know, he's the one who's trying to draw out of ransom and, confession. And one note too, that I think I'm, I'm sure will be the zillionth person to say that the script for knives out, is really great. Um, but one thing that's like particularly great that jumps out at me here is that we earlier have a scene where we know Ransom knows Marta can't tell a lie without throwing up. So, yes. and, and that's a nice, like just little thing so that when she throws up on him, he knows why in some way, you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of a playing fair with everything moment. That's just, I, I don't want to say perfect. Because it's, you know, really hyperbolic. But it is very smart to just have your characters be that smart throughout the story and then pay it off for them in the worst way possible in Ransom's case. that Like, when he gets... I mean, he's shocked, obviously. But, you know, he he knows and we know. Everybody knows at the exact same time. I think that's why this this payoff of this movie is so strong. Yes, and I did cover those minutes as well. The uh, where he gave her the oh man, the, you've got you you, you have lots of barf coverage, Darren. Yeah, so uh, he, well, I mean, obviously she didn't she didn't throw up then. Um, the bigger question then was the fact that she told the story of what happened on the night 
uh, when you know right. Harlan uh, killed himself, uh, and through that process, um, Ransom ended up drinking like five bottles of beer. So how <laughs> long was that story taken? Was the bigger question. <laughs> so, he he was two um, fisting. He he was really had yeah. a lot of time to catch up. But yeah, so as a as a viewer, we're kind of we're we're meant to be thinking. Well, she couldn't have lied, and then obviously at this moment. She throws up. This is kind of the biggest... Like, she's thrown up before, but it was always kind of a little off camera. Yeah. Um, so, like, this being kind of like projectile vomit on camera is the well, is kind of the biggest payoff. It's, and and on our and on our villain, you know? Like, it, ha- yes, it has yeah. to be... Like, like you say, all the other stuff has been into buckets and bowls and, you know, off camera. But this is another setup and payoff. Or, like, not that I really wanted to see... What was coming, but <laughs> but you know, it's like if you're gonna do it once, if you're gonna show it, it might as well be literally on the face of your villain. Yeah, I mean, it is it is basically one of two Chekhov's guns that go off within the space of thirty seconds, yes. within within the same minute, and both of them, well, one obviously directed at Ransom, and then the other directed back at Martyr. Yeah. So yeah, they both they both kind of get to set off the guns. Yeah, um, that's excellent. But yeah. And I, and of course I love Chris Evans' reaction, which is just what the shit. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, just like, yeah. Kind of. yeah. And the fact that he like he himself looks surprised. I mean, I don't know that Ryan Johnson would have kind of like you know not you know used the actual like projectile vomiting until like um, Chris Evans was on set, but he's certainly reacting like this is the first time that. You know, they've kind of, um, yeah. however they've done this particular... It's, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's got to have been something that launched it. Some kind of um, oh, yeah. you know, pressurized something. gun or something. Or at least, like, yeah. like I, I'm so rudimentary, but I'm thinking, like, you know, a Ziploc bag full of cereal that they just squeeze and it just goes bleh and splats it all over his face. And I gotta say, yeah. I know we'll have lots of time with the cast, but in, like, re- I, I've seen the movie a couple times, um, and rewatching here is like there's something about using the cast like sort of for and against type that is really fun and obviously i'm sure other people have said it too obviously the casting of (laughs) honest to god captain america as the villain is on purpose you know like it's yeah it's the What's the uh, um, the Sergio Leone movie, Once Upon a Time in the West, famously cast Henry Fonda as this terrible villain. And the reason he did it was because he wanted people to say, oh, my God, Henry Fonda. No, you know, like it would it's yeah, it has an impact. And so it's and, and Evans really runs with it. He's it's a lot of fun to see him get barfed on I mean- and get his comeuppance. I don't know if you've ever seen Philip, hmm. uh, the two thousand and one classic, not another teen movie. Uh, no, um, I haven't. I've yet to get to uh, that. <laughs> well, I mean, but he's in uh, that. I can't. Right? He is. He is. I saw. I saw that film at the cinema, um, and it is such a perfect kind of parody of so many kind of like teen movie tropes. Um, and Chris Evans in that. He's. I mean, he's not the same as he is here, um, but he's kind of a bit more. Like he's deliberately playing a parody of the Freddie Prince Jr. character sure. from She's All That, who is a little bit douchey, mm-hmm. and so he kind of gets to up that a little bit, um, and he has like r- such good kind of comic timing. It's weird that he basically spent a decade stuck as this kind of like straight laced all American like patriot, yeah, because he has such good comic timing and he's so he's so able to kind of play he, comedy he does the same and, thing he does a similar thing in scott pilgrim too right he's one of the evil yeah. exes and it's and it is almost a parody it's almost a parody of what he would become 
you know, of like an action movie star who's, you know, like full of himself and wants to prove everybody. And so, yeah, it's interesting seeing him do that when, like you say, we're so used to him, you know, fighting Thanos and saying, <laughs> say, but even in that, so not to get into the Marvel thing, but I mean, even in those things that there's, it almost makes sense that like for Captain America to work, you almost needed an actor who can be sincere, but also kind of gets the joke about that sincerity. Like they, they have good fun in yeah. those movies about, you know, him being, uh, saying old timey phrases or, you know, or being especially rah, rah, sincere, but it's in moments like these and, and apparently not another teen movie where you say it was like, Oh, he, he's really <laughs> in charge of it. Like he, he can, he can turn it on if he wants to. So that's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, if you if you look up nothing else about not another team movie, there is a wonderful moment where he makes his entrance and he walks into like school and he like looks at a picture of himself and then next to it is a picture of him looking at the picture of himself. And it's such a the gag is played so perfectly because he strikes the exact same pose nice. as he looks at the picture that is him looking at the picture. How much um, how much barfing is in this movie, though, Darren? That's what I need to know. In not another team movie, surprisingly little. I would. There, there I, is a whole... I, I, that was started out as a joke, and then I was always like, oh, "That seems yeah. like a movie that would have projectile vomiting." <laughs> no, that sounds no, like a, that it, sounds a funny bit. No, instead it has it has projectile waste. Oh, okay. Uh, a toilet a, a toilet falls through uh, uh, into a cat classroom and then just keeps spraying sewage uh, all over. So people. the movie the movie has everything. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So Chris Evans is really good in that. That's why you know for. I mean, since since I saw him in that film, which I think was probably the first time I ever saw him, you know, I have kind of tried to, you know, catch stuff that he's done because he does like I think it's one of those cases where, you know, he is. And I think we can both admit this mm-hmm. a handsome man. Oh, and... that's kind of scientifically proven. <laughs> and then this and I mean, yeah. and really, like, obviously it's happened. You know, Captain America was a whole big thing and he's super muscular and stuff. But I remember the big reaction for this this movie was Chris Evan in sweaters. And so yeah, part so of that is almost fun to watch this because I'm like, ooh, one of those like sweaters we were all talking <laughs> about is now not so great. Yeah. Although they weren't in great condition anyway, so Yeah, sure. You know, it does a bit of vomit on him. I'm sure he'll just like give it a, a light wash. Uh, he's the uh, most cause... he's the most handsome person with vomit on his face that we've ever seen. So he's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think that that also kind of helps him in terms of like, you, not I wouldn't say playing against type, but obviously, you know, the whole point of him being the villain in his film, and you know, it was a deliberate casting choice. Mm-hmm. Is you know, he is like, you know, the handsome guy who kind of gets away with murder, and yeah. that's you know, like that's that's the kind of you know, that's the kind of archetype, isn't it? In in kind of mystery films, is you know, people won't really suspect like the, the handsome type. It's always right. um, somebody who's. I mean, I don't. We'll talk about it more later in 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 a different episode. But in Gosford Park, it's like if I remember rightly, the person who ends up getting like kind of um, arrested for the murder is just like one of the lower classes, whereas mm. the guy who actually did the murder is basically like a rich, handsome guy right. who kind of just gets away with it. Well, and this... Spoiler alert for <laughs> Gosford Park, which obviously is also a twenty-year-old movie. Yeah. So then this um... is uh this this one also seems to fit into the overall like the sort of subtext theme of the movie where i mean so much of it is about politics there's a lot of political talk in here so it kind of makes sense that they would make the villain like a privileged white man you know it's like yeah sorry man you're getting it this time 
<laughs> well, a topic of discussion once we get to the final minute of this week is, sure. uh, you know, wh- whether or not we think that Ransom will ever actually go to jail for this crime. <laughs> okay, I'm re- I'll am um, i be ready for that but, one. But we'll, we'll talk about that later in the week because then obviously we have what is, you know, kind of one of the more cinematic moments in the film, mm-hmm. which is, you know, as you said, the kind of the, the slow-mo, the grabbing of the knife. Um, I should say as well, we do get a bit of Trooper Wagner being extremely, um, he like he tells the audience what they already know yeah. when he kind of just exclaims, oh my God, that means she was lying. Like just, yeah, right. So, and he's so kind of like happy that he's figured it out because I don't think they've, they've kept him in on the loop about the fact that Fran is dead. Yeah. Um, I think Trooper Wagner is out of the loop on that. So he's finding out at the same time as Ransom. And of course, um, it's it, I, I, it's not Trooper Wagner. Who is the other guy who's played Oh, Lakeith Stanfield? Because he's the one, is he the one recording the confession or is it, was it Trooper Wagner? I can, I can Oh, it's, wa- it's Wagner has, show. Wagner does yeah. the, he does the turn of the phone. Yeah. When they, when they say you, because Martha obviously says, you know, Fran's dead and you just confessed to a murder. Um, and that's obviously where Trooper Wagner shows the, the phone. And then of course, that is when Ransom, you know, uh, in the script is described as in one fluid motion, he spins to the ornamental wall of knives and grabs one. And then obviously this is where Blank says no as he does that. And it goes and tackles Marta. Time slows as Blank and Elliot lunge to stop him. But it's too late. Ransom and Marta fall together. His arm arcing down as they hit the ground. Um, His arm comes down, plunging the knife up to the hilt in her chest. Um, And that is kind of where the moment ends, isn't it? In this in this particular perfect minute in a way for us. Yeah, you know, like yeah, like because, to start, well, this is you, it. you could almost just watch this and kind of understand that it was like that guy stabbed her because he got barfed on, you know, like yeah. even just but even <laughs> yeah. just contained in that sixty seconds is this little story of like you had this inciting incident, they explained it, and then the guy jumped at her and bam, and and if it, we had stopped right here, we'd be like, oh, okay, well that's that's that. Well, I have instructed all of the hosts not to spoil stuff, so we're not going to spoil what happens after that moment. Okay, uh, we'll leave that for tomorrow's episode. Uh, but I think that's pretty much everything that I've got to kind of cover within this minute. Is there anything extra that you feel we need to cover? Uh, there were just uh, there were just two things that I wanted to mention. Um, go for it. Uh, one, I. I haven't been paying so much attention to the score prior, but here the score goes like full Danny Elfman. Like it's oh yeah, it's missing yeah. the Christmas la 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 stuff, but it, <laughs> but it but it really sounds like Danny Elfman uh, score here. Um, and the other thing was, I don't think I had noticed how vast this room is, and even to the point that like yeah. behind Marta, and I think you see it when she's sort of like on the floor, you know, saying, and she's dead. But above the cops is the balcony with even more books. It's just, yeah. it's just a crazy awesome room that I, yeah, I, I think you know this is the type of thing you notice when you go through something minute by minute. That like the overall effect I certainly got in watching the movie straight through. But here, really looking at it, I'm like, man, that is one ornate room. You you pay attention to the knife wall, the knife chair thing, but. Then you look back and you're like, wow, okay. He could have killed her with a couple books too. Most of, because obviously this was shot on location at a couple of different places. So the outside doesn't match the inside. And, you know, but I think this room has always been a set. Um, It has to be. There's no, I mean, throughout the whole film. I I would love to live in a world where rooms like this are prevalent. But yeah, (laughs) I I think, but I mean, to that point, that's what's, that's something great about this movie at all is that 
you know, there's a kind of, I don't know, I'm going to sound really pretentious, but it's like there's a kind of audacity to this room. It totally fits the theme and the story and the character and everything, but it's also kind of hilarious. I remember watching it the first time being like, this is just, it's just one click shy of Wes Anderson, you know? And the whole movie's <laughs> yeah. kind of like the murdering Tenenbaums, but like this, this room, it it's, it, it could only exist for this movie, I feel like. You know, you've seen things like it, but it's like, man, it's just, they really went for it. And that's part of the fun. It's like, yeah, go for it. Go go big like that. You're telling your story through everything. That's fantastic. So I wanted to give a shout out to the balcony of books. Yeah. And I think, obviously, in the previous minute, you know, Ransom was talking about it being the ancestral home. And obviously, Blank had to correct him and say it was bought in the 80s from a Pakistani <laughs> real estate baron. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. It's not, they, you know, they barely owned it for like, you know, 20, 30 years. Probably as long as Ransom's been alive, they yeah. probably, you know, had it. I guess it's ancestral to him then. Yeah, but, um, but, but you know, Lin, Lin, Linda didn't grow up in this house. You know, like it, it was bought after Harlem made his money. That goes to the movie's political point, too, is you, you know, yeah. the. American but, but yeah, Americans so tend to think of themselves as like, well, we're the true people here. It's like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> How far back you want to go? Yeah, I mean, as as they said in a film that I previously covered, you know, uh, that doorknob is older than this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's pretty easy to find houses that are yeah. roughly the same age as America. But yeah, it is a wonderful looking room. And obviously, like I said, I think, you know, there are a couple of rooms that are actually, you know, within buildings, but the, that, I think that room is just too big. To it's almost, it's, it's almost a character. Like, that's why I wanted yeah. to talk about it. Is it is, I mean, it's the first, sort of the first room in the movie that we get to see. And, and it was all over, at least that chair, the knife back was all over the movie yeah. posters and stuff. And it really, you know, it set you up for for what was to come in a really, a really effective way. So uh, yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to, I should have looked up who designed, who's a production designer, but you did, <laughs> you did great. Well, and also it's worth saying, of course, like the, the circle of knives also represents the, the donut with the hole in the middle. So that's true. Um, there is a little bit of that, which I think one of the other hosts has mentioned when they covered. Uh, well done stuff, other so. host. That's true. Yeah. I, I, so I'm just, I didn't know that. I mean, I could cut that. I could cut that part out the and most, just steal it for myself. The most dangerous donut. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, before we go, let's just quickly move on to the question of the day, which is just: Did you see this at the cinema? I mean, you said you've seen it a couple of times. I, I did. Um, I yeah. did. It's actually uh, fun fact. It was the last movie I saw in the cinema before the world shut down. <laughs> um, it yeah. was. Uh, it it was the last movie we got to see before the pandemic. Uh, affected everything um i did see it uh i went with my wife and some friends uh we all loved it um and then when it came out on video uh, i have a young son who was 10 at the time when it came out on video and we were kind of like i don't know if he'd you know if this would be appropriate for him and you know like i don't know but then just thinking about knowing him i'm like but it is fun in a way and so we took a gamble and showed it to him, and he really liked it. And I think that's kind of to a... I mean, there were some parts that were scary, but um, yeah. but I think that's a testament to the movie itself that is like, yeah, this is, this is something that is designed to entertain. And I feel like it's pretty effective for everybody. Even, even my kid got it. And, you know, maybe he needed those... Uh, 
those trooper lines of like that means she's lying you know like a couple moments like that but <laughs> but he also he he followed it and it was and so yeah that's what i always take from it is that not as an insult that a kid can get it but more the thing of like this is this is very effective and plays well it it, it is really solid and yeah so yes long yeah. long answer yes i did I'm over here, it was rated 12A, which means anybody under the age of 12 needs an adult to take them to see it. Wow. Uh, but I think when I saw it, there were quite, I mean, I wouldn't say like quite a few children, but there were, you know, there were some families that were in there that had a couple of kids with them and stuff. And, you know, I didn't notice anybody getting uh, I mean, agitated outside or, or of, stuff. So outside of, of the word, outside of the word that you and I are going to cover like all week, the S word. <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's swearing in there. But we we tended to, you know, just say, like, please don't repeat the things that are in this movie. You know, this is not appropriate. This is just for this. But, you know, like, I I also kind of don't believe you can just protect kids from that forever. So you have to, like, you know, kind of just walk them through and be like that. And, and, you know, so far he has not tried to stab anybody with a with a wall of (laughs) knives. And uh, another fun thing is every now and then he will start saying something like, He'll he'll be explaining how something doesn't work, and he's like, "It's like our donut has a missing hole." And we're like, "Yes, <laughs> we're having so much fun." So yeah, we really liked it. Okay, well, uh, let's then go to plugs. Uh, is there anything that you wish to plug, Philip, before we go? Yes, um, uh, I I am a an author myself. Uh, I do not have a balcony of books yet, but. Um, <laughs> My uh, my murder mystery uh, novel, The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel-Air. Yes, that is the real title. Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel-Air uh, will be out and about in September of 2021. Um, you can look that up. It, it's probably easier, Darren, honestly, to Google like Murderous Haircut Philip than my name. Um, so if you, <laughs> if you look up that uh, or you can follow me on Twitter, I'm at Philip Mottis. Uh, would you like to spell that so everybody oh, can? Oh, good idea. Sure <laughs> yeah. Right yep. Uh, Philip yeah. is with two L's, so that's P H I L L I P, and Mod is is M like mountain O T T A Z like zebra. And uh, if you wish to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Nizat Minutes. You can also find us on Facebook, but quite frankly, uh, it's exhausting posting on Facebook to Facebook pages. They've, yeah, screw Facebook. Oh, they've just made it so difficult to just <laughs> I, just to just to do a post. It just it turns into a whole thing. They keep suggesting that I add like menu items, and I'm like, I'm not I'm not a restaurant, and you know, op- I'm not on opening. I'm not times. on there anymore. Yeah, I, I'm I'm done. <laughs> they they they. You know, 15 strikes, like stealing our data. So I was like, no, good jog on. I'm done. Yeah, we'll stick to we'll stick to Twitter. Um, and sure. uh, yeah, so obviously, also if you could rate and review. I mean, we're getting to the end of the thing, so you know. I mean, if you've enjoyed it up to this point, you may as well rate it on whatever podcatcher you use. Um, Rating's free, guys. Yeah, rating is doesn't cost dirt anything. Cheap. It's also, you know, I mean, if you, uh, we say that, but, you know, try not to give us one star. We don't, we, you know, just if you, if you've got something nice, then obviously yeah. rate us for that. But otherwise, maybe listen to a different podcast. Um, yeah, right. You can also find me at the moment um, every Saturday for probably the next year or so hosting uh, T Hanks for the Memories, uh, which is a podcast about Tom Hanks and all his films. Um, so, uh, you know, this is Monday, so, you know, listen to that at the end of this week after you listen to five episodes of me talking about Knives Out Minute. Uh, finish your, finish your week off with me talking about Tom Hanks. 
Um, so I think that will do it. So otherwise, uh, I will thank Philip for being my guest. Thanks, Philip. Thank you. And otherwise...